uh, you've been blessed so far as we've worshiped together. I want to uh, just share a couple quick announcements with you today as we continue our morning service. First of all, I want to say hi to those of you watching online with us today. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, these announcements are for you as well. But uh, just uh, want to remind you that this afternoon we are having an open house here at church uh, from 4 to 5.30 down at the other end of the building. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to come and see all that's taken place so far with our renovation project this summer. We, uh, we've had some amazing things happen here at our church. Uh, since uh, last fall's business meeting, we, uh, we set the goal to do some serious renovations here in our building, uh, new carpeting, uh, renovating our sanctuary, uh, and a lot has been accomplished. In fact, uh, a lot of items to give uh, thanks and praise for today. We are, uh, we are literally about this close to reaching our total fundraising goal for this project. Um, all uh, uh, so, uh, some amazing work's been accomplished, as you're going to see today. Uh, we aren't completely done with our renovations, but uh, you're going to get a great picture this afternoon of, uh, of all that's been accomplished, and we are hoping here in the next few weeks, uh, prior to our fall kickoff on September 13th, to have the vast majority of all of our renovation projects completed. So you're going to see some great things this morning, or uh, later this afternoon. You're also going to see uh, <coughs> a few things that still are a work in progress, but, uh, but God has been faithful and a lot of great things have happened. So I'd encourage you to join us this afternoon between 4 and 5.30. Uh, come anytime you like within that time frame. Uh, we will ask you to wear your masks inside the building again. We will ask you to uh, uh, respect the social distancing uh, guidelines as much as possible. But, uh, but come on out and uh, just give thanks with us as we celebrate all that has been accomplished here at our church. All right, well, I'm going to uh, open our time in a word of prayer before we jump in and look at God's word and, and uh, look at uh, the significance of baptism here this morning. And then we're going to invite our baptism candidates to come forward here in a few minutes and share their testimonies with us. So if you would, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for uh, just the privilege it is to be gathered together as your people. Lord, we thank you that you are our God and that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us. And uh, today especially, Lord, we thank you for uh, your work in the lives of these men and women who are coming forward to be baptized today. Lord, may we as their family, friends, and church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, celebrate with them this uh, tremendous act of faith and obedience that they're going to uh, uh, undertake here in a few minutes. Lord, now as we look to your word this morning and think about the significance of baptism and your call on us as your people, as your church, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, uh, help us, Lord, to be receptive to your word, and may we follow in obedience uh, what you have to share with us here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to this fall for a number of reasons, uh, one of which is uh, football season is right around the corner. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different type of season this year. As we know, uh, some of our college conferences have decided not to play. Others are still figuring out their plans. Uh, our NFL teams are underway with uh, training camps, and, and it looks like that season's going to happen. But uh, I know for many of us here in America, you know, football is kind of our, uh, I hate to say this, base, baseball fans, but I think football is becoming our national pastime. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this coming season. 
This week I had a, uh, a really uh, interesting read. I've been uh, following a leadership blog this past year, and uh, this week one of the blog features was an interview with uh, the man you see on the screen behind me today, Coach Urban Meyer of Ohio State University. Uh, Urban Meyer is recognized today as one of the, the greatest coaches in college football, not only playing and, and coaching today, but uh, of all time. He has won three national championships, two with Florida, uh, one with Ohio State. He's won uh, numerous conference championships. He's won Coach of the Year awards. Uh, this guy has basically all the accolades in his resume. And uh, one of the things that I found really interesting were some of the leadership insights that uh, Coach Urban Meyer shared uh, with, uh, with this leadership blog that I was reading this past week. One of the things uh, that was brought out in the article that I read this week was an interview that Urban Meyer uh, gave last year during college football bowl season. Uh, if you know, uh, bowl season is when all the championship games are played, and, and uh, Urban Meyer was being interviewed on national TV, and, and uh, this leadership blog shared an excerpt of this interview. They, uh, they had asked Urban Meyer in the interview, what is the measure of a championship team? And Coach Urban Meyer, obviously, uh, of all the living coaches today, knows what it is to be a championship team. And, and the interviewers were asking him, you know, when you, when you think about measuring uh, a championship team, you know, what's the measure of a championship team? When you look at all the different analytics and, you know, the, 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 the speeds that your players run and the strength and the, the jumping and all of the different measures that we look to to determine a championship team, what is your measure of a champion? Well, Coach Meyer made an interesting comment. He said, analytics, the, the study of all of the peripheral stuff involved in football, right? He said, analytics are a tool. And then he went on to explain. He says, let me see fourth down. Let me see a game against a rival. Let me see when a guy is hurt. Let me see what he's made of. He, he said to the interviewer, analytics can't measure a man's heart. And then he went on and he made an interesting comment. He said, a hundred years ago, toughness was the most important thing in football. And a hundred years from now, toughness will be the most important thing in football. You know, I thought that was a really interesting observation from Coach Meyer. He said, you know, you can study and measure all sorts of things when it comes to a championship football team. But at the end of the day, it comes down to can this team win on fourth down? Can they get that hard yard? Can they beat the rival in the big game? That's the measure of a championship team. And as I was reading this leadership blog and thinking about Coach Meyer's comments in regards to football, it, it got me thinking about how can we apply that same idea to our calling as the church? You know, friends, what's the most important thing when we think about the calling of the church, of God's people. What, what's at the heart of what it means to be God's people in this world? What's our fourth down? What's our big game? What's our measure of success? Well, friends, I would suggest to you that Jesus Christ gave us a very clear picture of what it looks like to be a winner as the body of Christ. And what is that picture? That picture is great commission fulfillment. 
You want to see a championship church? It's a church where great commission fulfillment is on display. What is the great commission? Well, it was Jesus's final instructions to his followers after his resurrection from the grave and his ascension into heaven. Jesus' final words to his followers can be found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus said there to his followers, right before ascending into heaven, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what Christians throughout the centuries have called the Great Commission, our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. And when we look at these instructions from our Lord and we ask the question, what does Great Commission fulfillment look like? What is the measure of a championship church, if you will? I think we can highlight three points here in Jesus' teaching. Great Commission fulfillment is all about followers of Jesus who, number one, share the gospel. Followers of Jesus who share the gospel. Jesus here in his final words to his disciples, verse 19, go, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, friends, I want you to think about that command for a minute. That is a very strange command if men and women around the world are okay just as they are. Go and make disciples of all nations? Well, why? If we're okay as we are. You know, that's a really popular idea in our world today that man is basically good that it doesn't matter what you believe or what religion you follow, that ultimately all God cares about is that we, we try to do our best and, and we're generally good people. And at the end of the day, if you're just doing your best and if you're a good person, it doesn't matter what religion you follow, all roads ultimately lead to God. Friends, those are some of the most common views you'll hear in our world today. But friends, Jesus says, go, go and make disciples of all nations. That command assumes that people are not okay as they are. That command assumes that people need to hear the message of the gospel in order to be right with our Creator God. Jesus claimed in his ministry that he was the way, he was the truth, he was the life, and that no one comes to a relationship with our Heavenly Father except through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus calls us as his people to go and make disciples. Why? Because the world needs Jesus. Without Jesus, friends, we are still lost in our sins. Without Jesus, we are living in rebellion against our creator, God. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we have the means to have our sins washed and cleansed and forgiven through what he did on the cross. The world needs Jesus. We need to put our trust in Jesus to have a right relationship with God. Today, here in a few minutes, we're going to have six individuals who are going to come up and share their testimony. And then they're going to be baptized after that. And friends, every single one of the individuals being baptized here today are a testament to the reality that someone cared about them enough 
to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe it was a parent or a friend or a pastor, but every single one of these individuals you'll hear from today are here to be baptized because someone loved them enough to tell them about Jesus. Friends, a championship church is a church that has a heart for lost people. A championship church is a church that takes the Great Commission seriously to share the good news of the gospel with everyone that we encounter, all those who God puts in our circle of influence. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16 declared that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. In other words, to all people. Paul says, I am not ashamed. Friends, to be a championship church, we need to continue committed to the mission of taking the hope of the gospel to all people. Now, secondly, here in our Great Commission passage, Matthew 28, Jesus says that the, the, the mark of a championship church, uh, a church seeking to fulfill the Great Commission, it's about followers who, number two, show the gospel. He wants us to share the gospel, but then he tells us we are called to show the gospel. How do we show the gospel? Well, in verse 19, Jesus goes on. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Then he says, baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Friends, baptism is one of the primary ways that we as God's people show the world what the message of the gospel is all about. Jesus says we baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is one of the primary ways that we can model the gospel to the world. There are a number of ways that we can show the world the, the meaning of the gospel, but first and foremost at the top of the list, according to Jesus, is the act of baptism. The act of baptism is a visual picture of our salvation. It's a visual picture of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us that baptism is a picture of our union with Christ in his death and his resurrection. In Romans 6, 1 through 4, Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. And then listen to this. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, there's this baptism picture. Those of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul tells us that our baptism is a visual picture of what God has done for us through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, in a few minutes when we go outside and witness our friends being baptized, we're going to see them dunked under the water. We're going to see them brought up out of the water. And Paul says that baptism is a symbol, a representation of what Jesus did on our behalf. When he laid down his life on the cross, he sacrificed his body, shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness for our sins. He was our atoning sacrifice, the sacrifice that made us right with our holy God. 
and his body was taken from that cross and, and laid in a grave. But you see, what made Jesus' death so effective for our salvation was that Jesus then rose victoriously. He is a living Savior. Jesus conquered the grave and rose to new eternal life where he rules and reigns in heaven today, where one day we will be reunited with him. And friends, Paul tells us that we too have died to sin when we put our trust in Christ and choose to follow him in obedience. And just as Christ was raised to new life, we too are raised to newness of life, to walk in humble obedience, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Now today, friends, if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, I'd encourage you to pay close attention to what you're going to see here in a few minutes. You see, the gospel that will be portrayed in these testimonies and in the act of baptism that you'll see outside, this gospel is for you too. The ability to know forgiveness from your sin, to die to sin, to be raised to new life, to walk in faith and obedience with Jesus Christ. Friends, that message is for each and every one of us here this morning. If we'll simply trust in Jesus Christ, you, can you too can know the promise of new life in Jesus. And for those of you who are brothers and sisters in Christ already, who have already chosen to trust Christ and walk in faith and obedience, as we join our friends outside here to witness their baptisms, I want to encourage you to remember what this act portrays. And as we recall what Christ has done for us in his amazing grace, let us be inspired to greater heights of love and devotion as we celebrate all that Jesus Christ has done for us by his amazing grace. Lastly, here in our passage this morning, Jesus says a, a mark of a championship team, a team, a church that's seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. He says, thirdly, it's about people, God's people, who are surrendered to the gospel. We're called to share the gospel. We're called to show the gospel, and we're called to surrender to the gospel. After telling us to go and make disciples, after telling us to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in verse 20, Jesus then says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Friends, that's a call to obedience, to follow Jesus in humble surrender, humble submission. Observe all that I have commanded you. See, Christianity at its heart is a relationship of surrender to Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus didn't come simply to make believers, but followers. Followers, people, men and women whose lives are fully surrendered to him, walking in obedience to him. And at the top of the list of walking in obedience to Jesus is the call to baptism. It's at the top of the list. God calls his people to be baptized as an act of obedience. I think one of the reasons why baptism is so powerful in our lives as Christians is because baptism is truly an act of surrender. It's not only following the call to be obedient to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, but it's a picture of our surrender to him. 
You see, you have to humble yourself in the act of baptism. You have to put yourself in the hands of the pastor or the person baptizing you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have to surrender yourself as you are being immersed under the water and, and in trust believe that you'll be brought back up again. It's a visual picture of our obedience and our surrender and our trust in Jesus Christ. And friends, I want to encourage you here this morning. Just as these individuals being baptized today are doing so in faithfulness to Christ's command. If you're a follower of Jesus today and if, if you have never been baptized, I want to encourage you today as, as you watch these baptisms, as you listen to these testimonies, to pray about walking in obedience to Jesus in this area of your life as well. Maybe God is going to call you today to pursue baptism. Maybe you'll be a part of our next baptism service here at Lakes Free Church. See, friends, I've said this many times from this platform, but there is nothing greater than living for the Lord. And baptism is the first and greatest way we can testify to our commitment to doing so, to live in obedience, to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to invite our baptism candidates to come forward here this morning in a minute to share their testimonies with us. Before we do that, I want to just say a word of prayer and ask God's blessing over them as they come forward. After I pray, I'm going to share some further instructions with them as they make their way up here. But uh, would you please bow your head and join me in a word of prayer? And I'm going to say goodbye to those of our friends watching online. I, I'm sorry we're not able to have you join us outside for our baptisms today. But thank you so much for being with us, and we pray that this service has been a blessing to you too. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the call that you have given us to follow you and to make disciples and to baptize in obedience and to demonstrate to the world the, the great gospel that is ours because of what you have done for us through your death and resurrection. Lord, I pray that we would walk in obedience, that we would be a church that seeks to be a great commission-fulfilling kind of church, that we would be a, a church that desires to reach the lost, to see people submit to baptism in obedience and faith, to, to surrender our lives fully to you, in all ways, in obedience as our Savior, as our Lord, as our Master. God, as we invite our friends forward now to share their testimonies with us, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would speak to each of us through their words, through their testimonies of faith. May we be encouraged, Lord, by what you've done in their lives, and may it inspire us, God, to want to reach others with the hope that is found in Jesus. We commit them to you now, Lord. We pray blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church, you can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. 
And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon. in my